Hey, good morning. Almost good afternoon, but not quite, not quite. But uh, they did tell me I could go as long as I want to since it's the last service, so I need to stay here for a while, right? Amen. There we go. Hey, well, isn't today a beautiful day? Have y'all been out there? Have y'all been inside? I've been inside, but everybody's telling me how awesome it is outside. And so, man, I wish every day like summer could be like this, right? So, but we've had a great summer here. By the way, my name's Ronnie West. I'm the education pastor here. And, uh, but we've had a great summer uh, here at the Heights. And I was thinking about it. We had uh, uh, some mission trips, including one to Ukraine where we took our youth and they did some wonderful things. Yeah, we had a few teenagers here. That's good. And uh, we, we just finished vacation Bible school. We had uh, just under 900 people here every day. Can you believe that? Isn't that awesome? And uh, just, uh, man, so many volunteers and so much planning, and we're so thankful for that. And the, and the proof's in the pudding, right? We had um, over 40 kids uh, that made a profession of faith to give the heart to the Lord. So that's, 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 that's uh, uh, pretty awesome. And then we, we had youth camp last week, and yeah, there we go. So what was the green team one? Is that right? Yeah, okay. So, but they had, uh, they had youth camp and had a wonderful time there. Um, you know, we had a lot of kids get saved profess faith in Christ there. We've already baptized 10 of them. So, you know, give them a hand. I mean, it's, it's good news for, for our kids making choices that no matter where they've been in the past, making choices that are going to affect their future and uh, following the Lord and doing some great things there. So just excited about it. Uh, yesterday, we had uh, hundreds of people out at Popper Lawn, lawn uh, getting ready to um, for, for the for the big event on the 19th, and it's just neat to be able to stand shoulder to shoulder with with a sister church in our community and and to give back to the community and show God's love that way. So it's um, some some good stuff, man. Some other mission trips. I see Jay here. We just got back from Boston on a mission trip, and so man, there's lots of good things happening here at the Heights. And I want to tell you, I love my church, and I do. Don't y'all love this church? It's um. Not every church is this way, and I, I just, I'm excited to be a part of it. We have some other things that probably are not quite as out front as that, that are really happening that you see, uh, or you get to see a chance for a lot of changed lives. And one of those is a ministry we have here called Celebrate Recovery. We want to highlight that for a few minutes, uh, for, for a little bit this morning, and, and, and talk about that. It's a ministry we've had over four years here, and uh, we have just, it's grown from a small group to, to a good bit larger one, and we are just continually hearing stories of life change and what's happening. Yeah, we got some folks here. Jessica Miles is our, uh, uh, our lead, gives us leadership, lay leadership there for, um, for the group. And uh, we're excited to have you up here with us, Jessica. So uh, I've kind of already told your name, but go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah. Hey, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I'm in recovery for past abuse, negative thinking, trust issues, food issues, depression, PTSD, and ADHD. My name is Jessica. Hey, guys. Uh, so... Uh, well, I am so excited and thankful for your leadership, as we said earlier, and just seeing what God's doing at Celebrate Recovery. But first off, tell us, what is Celebrate Recovery? Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered 12-step recovery program for any hurt, habit, or hang-up that you could be struggling with. Um, we um, see people come in with anything from A to Z, from anxiety to depression, food issues, um, 
alcohol, chemical dependencies, uh, grief, divorce, marital issues, relationship issues, sexual, pornography, you name it. If there's a struggle or a sin for it, then we, um, uh, we address that there. Well, yeah. so, so, so what you're saying is it's for everybody. It is for absolutely everybody. Except, except for who? Except for perfect people. Yeah, okay. If you're perfect, this is just not the place for you. But it is for the for everybody, for the entire family. Um, you know, uh, the Bible tells us that we all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. And, and we do this over and over and over again. And this is a place where we can hone in on um, the scripture and a relationship with Christ and other people. And it's a safe place to be to, um, to work on those issues. So tell me, when do you meet and... How many people were involved? Um, we meet on Monday nights. Our large group starts at 7 o'clock, and then we split into small open share groups. They are gender-specific. You do not have to share if you come. Um, eventually, you'll probably want to share if you want to get recovery or some freedom from your issues. Um, we would like for you to come at 6 o'clock instead of 7 because we do have a dinner for everybody, and that's free. So just come on in, have a free dinner. You don't have to worry about like, feeding kids and that kind of stuff. Just come on in and eat, um, make some friendships, some accountability partners and um yeah so, so i know some people they're thinking about oh i don't want to talk to people i don't want to i don't want to share my problems everybody's got enough problems i don't want to share my problems with anybody else and i don't want people talking about my problems with other people right. so how do you handle that wow well celebrate recovery is a confidential program you can't go and tell people who you see there, you can't go and share things that you've heard there. If you do, you get sent to me, and I gotta have a talk with you about it. Um, but it is it is a confidential, safe place. It's a place where we can go and we can unload the stuff that we're struggling with. Um, you know, a lot of us there have been saved, and and even though we've been saved, there's some things inside of us that we really haven't dealt with, some sins and that kind of thing. And so. Um, you know, in James, it says to confess your sins one to another and pray for each other and you'll be healed. Well, I see that all the time at Celebrate Recovery. Yeah, right? That's, that's awesome stuff. So, like, you can share as much as you feel like sharing. When you come, you don't have to share, but um, you share what you feel comfortable to share when you're ready to share. All right. So yeah. there's a wide range of things that people come and they talk about and share with one another. But uh, we want to thank you for your leadership and your yeah. faithfulness. You Y'all give Jessica a hand for all the time she puts in for that. So thank you, Jessica. All right. So you know what happens when you've got an amateur photographer like me and you give them an iPhone and uh, they, they want to go somewhere and, and, and record something. So I, I, was just, I, I was just really uh, impressed with what's happening with the Celebrate Recovery ministry and stuff. So I went Monday night, and I wanted to find a few people that I maybe could just get a couple answers from. So here's my homemade video. Be patient with it. But anyway, go ahead. All right, here I am. I am so excited about the things that I'm hearing about Celebrate Recovery. I came up here, it's Monday night, and man, there's a lot of laughter, a lot of friends, they're having a lot of time, but I have found a few folks that want to share with you just a few things about what Celebrate Recovery means to them. All right, here we go. You can see my friends, and uh, I want to ask you a question. What does Celebrate Recovery mean to you? A uh, place to gather where you can just uh, lay it at, lay it at uh, God's feet and uh, share with others and, and um, let them pray for your, for your hurts and habits. Oh, fantastic. Anybody else? What does Celebrate Recovery mean to you? Friendships, good friendships, truths, coming in, being able to cry and laugh together many times. Yep, it's hope. Um, I see people who are ahead of me that can be role models. 
um, stuff I've been stuck in, spinning my wheels for years. Finally, after I started attending here, I see that there is hope, there's a possibility of beating my habits, hangups, and hurts. Wonderful, wonderful. And for me, uh, just knowing that there's a group of people that are just like me, not perfect, and I can work on my imperfections and feel good about myself when I leave here at night and continue to work throughout the week on recovering and being a better person. Awesome. Hey, what excites you about Monday nights? I know you're here on Monday nights. What excites you? The worship. The worship? The testimonies are awesome. Fantastic. The music. I, I Actually, I will come for the music. If I cannot stay for small group, I have to come for the music and get my groove on. There you go. How about you? I love being able to hear other people that have lives that aren't completely perfect. Um, and we're encouraged to be honest. We're not encouraged to be perfect. We're not encouraged to be um, anything we're not. We're supposed to be real. And people appreciate that and they cherish it. And the more open we are, the more blessing there is. Fantastic. Love about- testimony night. I love to hear God's story in other people's lives and the hope that it gives me. Oh, fantastic. So uh, one, one last question I want to ask y'all, and you can tell whoever wants to answer this question is, uh, how has Celebrate Recovery changed your life? It saved my marriage. My marriage was on the brink about three years ago when, um, due to this program. Um, it is better than ever, and uh, I give it all to this program to God. Oh, fantastic. Someone else? I started coming a year and a half ago because I'm a codependent and enabler, and I struggle with some depression and anxiety. But you lay it here, and other people can pray for you at any time, and it, and it feels great to have that support. It's helped me finally start working on stuff I've been fighting with since I've been a young kid. And I've really realized um, how much further I need to go, which is how much progress I've made in this group. It's been wonderful and have people walk beside you the whole time, completely not judging, just wanting to walk with you is absolutely amazing. And I can't imagine my life without it. Awesome. All right, I said last question, but I got one more. If somebody's thinking about coming to celebrate recovery, but they're on the border, they don't know what to do, what would you say to them? You get a free, you get a free meal. What was that again? You get a free meal. You don't have to cook. Come on in. There we go. Give it a try. Sounds good. Someone else. It's a great place to come. You know, when we first came here, you know, the the minute we walked in the door, we just felt the love and the the acceptance of everybody that was greeting us at the door or people that were new in the in the that were already here and uh I, it was just so much compassion and just just real people um giving us giving us love and, and just hugs and, and inviting us here so i really appreciate that oh, fantastic anyone else yeah, the, yeah. The, the, no judging absolutely no judging we are yep. all exactly the same and we lay it all, like he said, at God's feet. And it is wonderful to come in here every week and know that and feel safe and secure. All right, fantastic. Any any advice? Any advice? Um, don't be scared. There are people here um, who have seen everything, been through everything, and um, you don't have to be worried about being judged, being condemned. This is not a place for perfect people. This is a place for real people, and that's a beautiful thing. Oh, wonderful. Thanks, guys, and have a great evening. Thank you. All right, that's good stuff, isn't it? Several things I learned about uh, filmmaking there. One is when you're, when you're looking at it and doing a selfie video, if you put your hand up, it kind of obstructs what's the view. I didn't learn that. That was good. And then you always t- 
people always tilt their head back when they're looking at it. I don't know why we do that, but I did that too. I also learned that Tutty King actually does have something other than purple or red or <laughs> that's good. We have a little fun with Tutty, but that, that's great. I do want to thank those who, who shared and uh, what was going on because it's just um, uh, it's a fantastic thing that's happening on Monday nights to celebrate recovery. And uh, like I said, I, I was there Monday night, but a, a few weeks ago, I got a chance to go and share a message with, with the group. And I'm going to share that with you this morning. So if you want to open up your Bibles to uh, Joshua chapter 1, uh, it's a, I think it's a message of hope. Uh, I think it's a message that really uh, kind of paints a picture for us that, uh, you know, it, that, that, that there's still a future out there and some things. And so we're going to look at Joshua chapter 1. I kind of want to paint the picture a little bit before we read the Scripture. And so what we have here is a situation where we'll see it in the Scripture. Moses is dead, okay? And, and you got to understand, Moses had led this, this group of Hebrews, this, this millions, really, of Hebrews for, for over four decades, 40 years, you know, and, and it's just a massive amount of time to be under the leadership of one man. He was a great leader, a godly man, and he had led them for a long time, but he's dead. And now, you know, he, a very different kind of leader steps up in Joshua. And as he's there and he's, he's ready to step up, you know, he's a military leader. He's very different from, from Moses, but, but yet he's always been in his shadow, always been kind of, uh, you know, the second man there. And so it goes all the way back, though, to, to how did they get there? So they're, they're, he's stepping up, and he has the task of taking the Hebrew people into the promised land. He has the task of taking them across the Jordan River and into this new area. But the question of how they got there is really important because it helps set the stage for what we're talking about. And that's this, you know, uh, Centuries before that, uh, when, when Joseph was there, he, he had brought his family as a small clan there to be in Egypt. And after he died, they end up in Pharaoh, ended up enslaving the Hebrew people. And they multiplied and they grew from just a small clan to a, a, actually a large nation in, in themselves. But, but they, they were, in their slavery, they, they were really pushed too hard and they were suffering. And they were crying out to God for deliverance. And they were saying, oh, God, can't, you know, here, here this pagan king, this Pharaoh, is, is, he, he's lording over us and making us do the, just, just work so hard with nothing in return. And, and he's not being fair to us. He's mistreating us and he's abusing us. And you got all these things. And so, so God raises up Moses, who... who, who who was a man who murdered somebody, who was a man who ran away for, for decades, who came back. So I say that because he ended up being a great leader, but he didn't always make the right choices at the beginning, right? And so, so God raised him up, and he, he comes and he speaks to Pharaoh, and, and, the, and the Hebrew people saw some mighty acts of God in a very short period of time. So think about it. you got the ten plagues, which, which range anywhere from, you know, the, 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 the grasshoppers, the locusts, should we say, or, or the Nile turning uh, into blood, and, or, you know, the, the loss of, of the firstborn son and how God delivered Israel from that. And, and that's where they got the Passover from because they put the mark on the doorway and, and the angel of death passed over them and didn't take their firstborn son. So they saw this incredible mercy and grace of God as he, as he began to deliver them. And so uh, Pharaoh sent them out 
and told them to leave. And, and so they gather up what belongings they had. They're going, and they're going down. And it's not long that their memory is really short that they all of a sudden feel like, oh, you just sent us out here to die and to be murdered here because now they're up against the banks of the Red Sea, you know. And the, they, 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 they know that Pharaoh's coming. And he's sending his armies. He's got vengeance on his mind. And he, he's coming after them. And, and so already there's doubt in their mind of, of, of what God's going to do in their life and, or do to them. And so, uh, but then they, 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 they witness one of the greatest physical miracles that, that's recorded in the Scripture where God parts the Red Sea and they walk across on dry land. By the way, I just believe that. You know, I just believe it. I don't have a problem trusting that a supernatural God, that means he, he is above the natural laws. He put them in place. A God that created all the universes and the whole universe and everything that exists, that he could reach down and supernaturally part waters and for them to walk across and dry land. I, I just don't have a problem because I didn't see it with my own eyes. I, when I look around at creation and see the miracle of creation itself, I just don't have a problem believing it. And so I trust in the Scripture and that it's telling me the truth and that God is revealing himself and his character through the Scripture by doing that. So they walk across dry land and they get to the other side as they're going and, and Pharaoh's army's coming and the waters come crashing in and they deliver them again. Oh, but it's not very long, is it? They get to Mount Sinai and Moses goes up and is meeting with God and God's giving him the law, which is, again, revealing his character and who he is. And, and the people turn quickly to, to false idols, you know, and you think, well, have mercy on them. That's all they've known, you know, being in Egypt. That's all they've known is all these false gods. And they've been taught about this, this, this one true God, but they're just now starting to experience it. But they, they turn away very quickly. And, uh, and we know how that ends up with the Ten Commandments and, and those things. And so eventually they finally, they find themselves getting over and they get to the Jordan River uh, the first time. <laughs> and uh, they're there. And Moses asked for 12 spies to go into the land, one from each tribe. And, and they take off and they go into the land. And they come back with a report. And they're all, got their eyes wide. And they're, and, and, and they're, they're afraid. They're genuinely scared. And they say, we can't go into this land. It's filled with giants and fortified cities and, and armies. And if we go, we will be destroyed. All but two, and of course that was uh, Joshua, who is now stepping up to be leader, and Caleb. And so as a result, the people of God, the Israelites, decided not to cross the Jordan. And so they wandered around the desert for 40 years. 40 years. No direction, no destination, no understanding of what God, even though God's still providing for them, even though God's doing these things, but they have no purpose. For 40 years, they wander around, and now the whole generation passes away. And so now you have Joshua. Uh, Moses is dead, and they have Joshua there, and he's going to have to step up in leadership, and then God's going to say now, hey, go into the land. See, God was ready to do it 40 years before, but now they, because of their choices, they wandered around. What should have been, it took them 40 years to what should have been an 11-day journey. 11 days. 
But here they are. And so doing. So that brings us to Joshua chapter 1. So we're going to read twice, uh, you know, parts of Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read the first part now if we can. So Joshua 1, verses 1 through 5 says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. By the way, just, just a little bit of biblical trivia here, uh, just so you say that Joshua was also the only person in the scripture who didn't have any parents. You see that right here. He was son of none. (laughs) All right, bad. Okay. Just making sure you're awake. Here we go. Okay, so Joshua, son of none, Moses' assistant, and he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east and to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. And so what I want to do is I want us to look through, and we're going to come up with five quick points. Don't worry, it won't take me long. And uh, five quick points of, uh, of what matters, okay? And what I mean by that is I, I am not attempting to say that What's happened in the, po- in the past does not have consequences. I'm not trying to say that if you've made choices and you've done things in the past, that that is not going to affect people around you or your future or things like that. What I am trying to say is what matters is the choices that we begin to make right now, today. Okay? That's what I'm trying to say. And they can have a profound effect on our destination where we end up. And we'll, we'll get there and you'll understand what I'm talking about and all that. So, so anyway, in, in, in verse 2 it says this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore the time has come for you to lead those people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. And so what I want to tell you is my first point is it doesn't matter where you've been before. What matters is where you are right now. Okay, it doesn't matter where you've been before. What matters is where you are right now. So the Israelites had wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. They had made just tons of bad choices. Their unbelief had cost them decades. But at the same time, God was still fulfilling his promise in their life right now. You see that? And so what I want to tell you is, in your own life, the choices that you've made have certainly had consequences or have helped you become where you are and who you are and, you know, what you are today. But what, what really matters is not what's happened in the past, because all of us struggle with sin. All of us struggle with, with, with making bad choices. Would you all agree with that? Okay, yeah, I, I, trust me. Uh, but, but, but God has separated us from our sin in such a way because of his grace and his forgiveness. In other words, he had a plan for us. He said, I want to redeem you to myself, and I want to enter into this relationship with you. And as a result of that, I am providing a way for you to know me. Even in the midst of your sin, even in the midst of your rebellion, I am providing a way, and that comes through Christ. 
who died for our sins so that through him we what? May know that we may live, that we may know his grace. The psalmist wrote and said he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. And so in saying that, uh, that's just a beautiful word picture because think about it this way. If I travel north and I keep traveling, eventually I'm going to get where? North Pole. And then no matter which direction I turn, I'm going what? South. So see, north is finite. There's a finite distance I can travel north. And then I'm going south. And the same is true for going south. There's a finite distance I can travel. But the psalmist said he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. So what he's saying is I can travel east for as long as I want to. I can travel for, for an hour. I can travel for a day. I can travel for a year. I can travel for a decade. I can travel for a hundred years. Just pick a time. And I will always be going east. I can turn and go the other way. I can go west. And I can travel for decades west. And I will always be going west. The two never meet. There is an eternal difference. And what God is saying is, look, I remember your sins no more. When you come to me and you experience my grace, I have separated you from your sins as far as the east is from the west. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter uh, where, where you've been before. What matters is where you are right now. Are you at a place where you're saying, Oh, God, I want you in my life. Oh, God, I recognize I need you in my life. Maybe as a believer, you're saying, I, 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 There's sin in my life that's just taking control, or there's sin in my life that I am yielding control, maybe is a better way of saying it, that I am allowing in my life by choosing stuff. But God, I want to repent of that. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all, all unrighteousness, right? It means he's faithful, he will do it. It means he's just. He has the moral authority and right and power to do so. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. And so as a believer, I can say, God, I don't want this sin in my life. I want to serve you. I want to live out for you. I want to do this stuff. And so, God, where I am right now is that I want you. As an unbeliever, someone who hasn't surrendered, it's really the same thing. God, I, I've never surrendered my life. God, I've never come to this place where, where I, I want you to be Lord of my life. I've always wanted to make the choices myself and control it myself and be, be, you know, be my own person. But God, I recognize that I need you. And God, I recognize that because of what's in my life. I want you to be Lord of my life. You see, there's hope. That's good news, folks. That's really good news because we do not have to die in our sins. We can experience the grace of God and have eternal life through him. So that's good news. It doesn't matter where you've been before. What matters is where you are right now. Verse 5 says this, No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. I will not fail you or abandon you. You know, here's the thing about that. Let me just go and give you the principle. It doesn't matter who or what is against you. What matters is who is with you. Let me say that again. It doesn't matter who or what is against you. What matters is who is with you. Okay? So here, here's the thing. Greater is he that's within me than he that's what? In this world. Folks, it's not even close. 
it's not like there's this battle tug of war that's going on with, with the enemy, the devil and his legions on one side and God on the other and they're tugging back and forth and you just, you, you just don't know who's going to win. No, it's not even close. The battle's already won. The victory is ours through Christ. And, 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 and Satan is a defeated foe. We just have to stand and believe on that. So it doesn't matter who's against you. Here he says, I will be with you and I will not fail you or I will, I will not fail you or abandon you. See, God is in a covenant relationship with us. He is faithful even when we are faithless. He is there for us no matter what. He is good. Every good and perfect thing comes from him. Now, let's just be honest. Sometimes that's difficult, Right? That's difficult to believe because I've had things happen to me that I've had a lot of questions about. Have you ever had questions about what's happening in your life? Let's just let's be real. Have you ever been angry at God? Uh, that's pretty quiet. So uh, let me ask you that. Have you ever been angry at God? Yeah. Folks, I have. I've been angry. I've been so angry at God before that it, I struggled with my faith. I've been so angry with God before that I just could not comprehend what the purpose for what happened was. It, it was affecting my faith. It was affecting my ministry. It was affecting things. I had, uh, I had a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, who, who was murdered many years ago. I was, I was in my early 20s, so that was about 10 or 12 years ago. And, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I was in my early 20s. And uh, anyway... And, uh, you know, she was, uh, she was just somebody just loved, loved the Lord and, um, and just was sold out to him, had dedicated her life to serve in, in ministry. And, and she suffered profoundly. And um, it, I won't go into details, but it's, it's horror story, bad horror story movie stuff, okay? It was so gruesome and so bad. I, I, was, I was just angry. I was angry with God because I did not understand how he could allow something like this to happen. Okay? And pick a story because I, I got a few more of those in my life too, you know, where I didn't understand why God would allow certain things to happen. And I, I do know that God, God in his love for us doesn't protect us from everything. Sin has just bad, it causes bad things. Not my personal sin, but the sinfulness of mankind. mankind. But, but I was angry with God. And uh, I, I remember just like it was yesterday, driving down the road. And I'd been struggling with this. This was not something fresh. I'd been struggling with it for a while, you know. That anger had kind of set up camp in my heart and was roasting marshmallows and stuff, you know. It's, it was there. And uh, I was driving down the road. I was driving through Colonial Heights. And uh, I was, um, I, I got to this place and uh, a song came on the radio. And I'd never heard it before. It was actually from an artist that, uh, that I knew very well and had, had seen in person many times. And a long story short was, the song comes on the radio, and it was like God was in the car speaking to me. It was. I still remember it. I've never heard that song again, you know, by the way. Uh, but I still remember it. I still remember it. I mean, this, is, this really was a few years ago. And uh, um, I, I was sitting there, and... And, and I, I'm crying, I'm weeping because my anger is so bad and I'm so mad and I just don't understand. And it was just like God was, was just speaking to me and ministering to me because he loves me. You see, he's in a covenant relationship with me. Isn't that cool? Even when I'm faithless and I don't understand God, he, he, he's reaching out to me. 
and he's drawing me to himself. And, 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 and I feel like I'm there, and I pull over, and I stop. And I sit there. And the song's over, and I turn the music off, and I, I don't know what to do. And I came to this place in my life, and it changed me. I said, okay, God, I don't understand, but I trust you. It's been a long time. I still don't understand. But you know what I do trust? I trust in God's goodness. I trust in his faithfulness. I trust that he will do good things for the people he loves. And I know that she's with him and she's experiencing everything that he ever created and everything that she ever wanted. I think it's a wonderful thing that she's with him now. I don't understand why what happened had to happen, but I trust him. I trust him with my life. I trust him with my family's life. I trust him with those I know because he's good and he's faithful. And that's what it says here. It doesn't matter who is against you. What matters is who is with you. And he said, I will not fail you. I will not abandon you. And so, there we go. Let's read some more scripture if we can. Verses 6 through 9. Be strong and courageous. So, obviously, you know, Joshua, again, military leader. But can you imagine following somebody that had been the leader for 40 years? who had that kind of power and influence, and, and he's got to step up, and he's got to do something that they, he couldn't. Remember, he was one of the two. Joshua was one of the two spies who came back and said, yes, let's go. He's still there, okay, he and Caleb. But anyway, so, so he says, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors uh, that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Okay, uh, be careful to obey all the instructions of Moses that, that Moses gave to you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left, but then you will hear, excuse me, then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So, man, it's just good stuff. And I just love that because here, here's what God's saying. But I want to look at you know, a couple more words. Look at verse 7 with me real quick. He says, be strong and very courageous. So he, he understands. I mean, God understands who Joshua is. And he, he understands the fear and the things that are going on in his life and his heart. He says, and he's just, he, that, that, that's who God is. He's saying, be strong. Be very courageous. Be, be that person. So be strong, <clears throat> excuse me, very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions. That Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left, and then you will be successful in everything you do. So, the principle here is this it does not matter which direction your feet have pointed in the past, what matters is the direction they are pointed in today. Okay, let me say it again it doesn't matter what direction your feet have pointed in the past, what matters is the direction uh, they are pointed in today. And so, you know. There, there's a great book out there. My wife, my wife Tina and I give it to a lot of uh, high school students, but it's really not written for high school students. It's written for, for believers of all ages. It's called Principle of the Path by Andy Stanley. It's on my top ten list. I would encourage anybody to read it. Uh, but he says a couple things I want to share with you a little bit. Of, but he, here's what I'm saying, because it's the direction of your feet and where you're going and, and, and what you're doing. So remember, the Israelites had wandered around for 40 years. They were just, they, they, they were clueless in direction. 
They, they had no purpose. And so here they are. But now, you know, he's saying is, hey, we're crossing the Jordan. And we're going to take the land that God has given us. We're going to take the promises that God has given us. And we're going to do this. And so here's what Andy said about, about direction. He says, the direction you are traveling, relationally, financially, spiritually, put whatever you want to. Put anything else in there. But, you know, those are some big ones, right? Relationally, spiritually, financially. Because those involve so many decisions that we make. It says, the direction that you are traveling will determine where you end up. The direction you're traveling. If I'm walking this direction, I'm going to end up over there. Not over here. And so he also said this. He says, direction, not intention, determines our destination. So I may want to be, let's say Jesus, I may want to be like Jesus. I may want to live like him. I may want my life to reflect him and all he's doing. I may want my family or my work colleagues or my neighbors or whoever to see Jesus in me. But if I'm making choices that are pointing me in this direction, I'm going to end up somewhere else no matter what I really wanted. Do you see that? And so that, that, that means when, when I'm making financial decisions, do they honor God? When I'm making relational decisions, do they honor God? When, when, when I'm making spiritual decisions, do they honor God? We don't ever, we don't drift in good directions. <laughs> Here's the problem we all drift, right? We all drift. We all have influences that impact our life. We drift, but we don't drift in good directions. And if I drift and I get off, off direction just a little bit, down the road, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, I can end up in a completely different destination than what I was intending right now because I drifted. And so we have to be aware. We have to really ask those hard questions about our, our life to find out, hey, where am I drifting? What am I doing? Because what? I want to stay on track. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6 says this. It says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will what? Make your path straight. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. And so everything we do must be submitted to Him as a believer. We must be looking because here's the thing. If I'm just looking right here, I, I'm having a hard time because I can drift, I can move there. I have to focus where I want to be and then, then make decisions based on how I want to be in the future and what I want my life to look like. And then I can make decisions so that I'm walking a path that's straight and I can acknowledge God in all that I'm doing and I can end up in the place that I wanted to be, that God wants me to be. It doesn't matter which direction your feet have pointed in the past. What matters is the direction that they are pointed in today. Two more quick points, and then we'll be done. Verse 8, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Folks, the thing is there, what really says, before we even get to the point, the principle is, there are no shortcuts. You've heard us say it before, there are no shortcuts. If all you're doing is giving God Sunday mornings, but you're not giving Him any other place in your life, you are drifting, and you're going to end up somewhere where you don't know where you're at, and then you're going to be saying, oh God, how did I get here? It's because your feet are pointing in the wrong direction, and you're drifting. 
And, and it's, you, have to be, uh, you have to be faithful to meditate on his word day and night. You know, Jesus said, you know, he kind of wrapped it up in the statement. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's all, you know, the, the great command there. It's all wrapped up. But what does that mean? It means that every day I must be being attentive to what God's saying to me, and the word of God is what has power to change life. Okay, and so, so there is the point. It doesn't matter, excuse me, the point is this. It doesn't matter what things have been a priority in the past. What matters is who's first now. Get that? That's what it's saying. So when, I, when it's talking about making, being a part of the word and meditating on those things day and night and doing those things, it matters who is first now, not who's been first in the past. Make a choice today. As a believer, you know, you might be saying, oh, God, I, I need to make you first. And I see these things, these the, the different areas. And I need to make those changes. As somebody who, who may be searching, who may be exploring what, what this Bible thing, what this Christ life thing is all about, and you're not sure, man, that, that, that's what it's saying, though, is here is, hey, who is going to be your priority? And it's going to affect where you are later on in life. You can do that. Verse 9. This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I love that verse. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Here's the point. It doesn't matter what scares or discourages you. What matters is the courage and strength that God gives you. You know, doesn't mean we may not be afraid of some things. doesn't mean that some things may not scare us. But it doesn't matter what scares or discourages you. What matters is the courage and strength that God gives you. i put it another way. Don't let fear immobilize you. That's what it's saying. He's saying, Joshua, don't let your fear immobilize you. We don't want to walk around the wilderness another 40 years. We don't want to do that. It is time to take the land. And there may be obstacles out there, and there were. There were obstacles. But they, they got to see the, the walls of Jericho fall down, Right? They got to see the water, the, the, the Jordan River dry up. They got to see so many wonderful things to, 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 to see what God was doing. And what he's saying to us is simply, don't let fear immobilize you. Well, let's make it practical. Some of you, when we were up here talking with Jessica or when we were watching the video, some of you had your heart pricked and you're saying, I, I, I probably need to, I think God's saying, go visit, celebrate recovery. I really think, I think he's doing that, and I think I need to do that. Don't let fear immobilize you. Be obedient to what he says. Be there. Do that. Listen, it wasn't, it wasn't the devil telling you to do it. I promise you that. Okay? I promise you. Don't let fear immobilize you. Some of you have been thinking about, about giving your life to the Lord, and you've just, but you've struggled with some things. What you're hearing out in you know, the world just bombards you with, with false things about the church and about God and, and about His Word, and, and you've struggled with that. But, but, but you're, you, you feel and sense that God is moving in your life. And I'll tell you, we, when, when we're finished here in just a couple minutes, uh, just walk right out there, and there's a, a connection desk that's over next to the window, straight out in the back. And there's some people there that have been love to sit down and talk with you about your relationship with the Lord okay don't let fear immobilize you because those are the kind of decisions that are going to profoundly affect where you are in your life 
a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, okay? And, and, and it's just amazing. As a believer, what is it that God's telling you to do? Maybe, maybe he's telling you to, to, to witness to a neighbor and share Christ with a, with a family member. Or maybe he's telling you to, to, to give something or to tithe or I don't know, whatever it may be. Don't let fear immobilize you. Be obedient to what God says. And he says, hey, he will what? He will be with you wherever you go. It doesn't matter. What scares or discourages you, what matters is the courage and strength that God gives you. In just a minute, we are going to close by reciting a, a prayer, a very familiar prayer that all of you know. Uh, the serenity prayer. Most of you have seen it or read it, uh, but you've probably only seen just a little bit of it. It's, it's a little bit longer, and it's very Christ-centered as it goes further. And uh, we want you to see that. This is how they close Celebrate Recovery each and every week, and we want, to, we want to do that here today. But after we do that prayer, that will be our closing prayer. But what I want to encourage you to do is be obedient to God. Do what you want to do. If you want to find out more about Celebrate Recovery, you can do so right at the desk. I mean, there's, a, there's a table right in the center of the concourse. They'll have some people there to talk to you about Celebrate Recovery. Decisions that you want to make joining the church or decisions about uh, following Christ, the connection to us, just following that. Thank you for being here today. And Jessica, would you uh, lead us in this prayer? It'll be right up here, guys, okay? You guys, please stand and pray with me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage, the courage to, to change, change the things, things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, difference. living one, one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life. And supremely happy with you forever and the next. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good afternoon, guys.